Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Hoffcast. This is episode 35. How's it going, everybody? I am <laughs> I'm I'm in a weird mood. <laughs> I am in a weird mood. It is Friday, and the only reason I know that is because I looked at the calendar not very long ago. I have lost all semblance of what day of the week it is. I have been off the road now for about three weeks. And I had I couldn't tell you the other day I I freaked out I woke up it's like nine in the morning and I panicked because I was like oh no I, I forgot to move the car because of street sweeping on Mondays and Tuesdays like oh no I forgot to move the car and my wife goes it's it's Monday I did I or no 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 hold on no my wife goes it's Friday I thought it was Monday she said it's Friday. I couldn't tell the difference between a Monday and a Friday. That's how bad it's gotten. The The two most opposite days that anybody ever thinks about is Monday and Friday. Monday, for most people, is just dreary, awful, hate it. Friday, on the other hand, hello, good day, can't wait for the weekend, this is the last day at work. I had been off for three weeks and didn't realize the difference between Friday and Monday, which I don't think it gets any worse than that. And that's not a good feeling either, by the way, to not know what day of the week it is. I had no semblance. Like I was still doing shows, but shows in Los Angeles are just, you know, that's any night of the week. I usually do a show every Monday. I usually do a show every Wednesday. Like those are just days of the week that I don't have any idea, but I'm usually gone on weekends. So here I know it's the weekend because I am sitting in the Dallas Fort Worth airport for three hours. That's how I know the weekend exists. But you take me out of that for three weeks, all of a sudden, I don't know, don't don't even look at me. Don't ask me what time it is. Don't ask me what day it is. I don't know. Because also, uh, as a comedian, every single day is a potential work day. Now, granted, in every single day, I, <laughs> I have lots of time that is not spent working. Uh, but every day is a potential work day. Just because it's Saturday doesn't mean I'm not going to do a show or not going to write a joke or something. Or just because it's Sunday or Monday doesn't mean I got the day off. Like, I'm still sending out booking emails. Actually, I don't send out very many booking emails on Sunday. Because uh, nobody else is working. Only comedians are working. Comedy club people, uh, unless they have a Sunday show, they're not working. They're taking Sunday, Monday off. That's their weekend. And then they start back up on Tuesday. Uh, but for me, it could be any any day. And um, I did, I mean, last week wasn't, last week was okay. But I had a, a callback for a commercial. I won't, I don't know if I should mention what it was for. But um, I had the callback and I, I, I felt really good about it. I went in. And uh, it was for a fast food restaurant chain. And I went in for the original audition, and I felt like I did it well. I kind of had a different interpretation of what the what the scene was or how a line was supposed to be delivered. And I think it went well. And then got the call back, so went in there. And so I'm an idiot because I've, I've started to develop some serious social anxiety with who in the world I know and who I just know of. Because social media, I, I like see people's posts, especially comedians and actors. I see their posts. I see their names on bills. I see their names on comedy club websites. 
and I feel like, oh, I know this. I, I hear them on podcasts. I get to know these people, and some of them I've met, and some of them I haven't. And but I can't tell the difference anymore. So it's gotten to the point where I don't know if I should come say hi to you, or if I should just stand off in the side and like acknowledge that that's who you are. I don't know what I'm supposed to do anymore. And um, it just happened in that callback because I was telling a buddy of mine who was there at that same callback. I was like, I I can't. I don't know who I know anymore. I know I know you. Uh, but I, I don't know anything else. And he goes, yeah, that happens. And then I got paired up with a gal who is quote unquote supposed to be my wife for this audition. And uh, I was looking at her face. I was like, my God, this person looks so familiar. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to ask. OK, if I don't know, I'm just going to ask. So here's what I said. Hey, do we have we worked together before? Do we know each other? Because you look really familiar. And she goes, yeah, you know, you look familiar, too. Um, you know, maybe we, maybe we have worked together. Maybe we've just seen each other in things. And she goes, isn't that a nice thought? And I go, yeah, yeah. And that seemed like a very nice thing. Sure. Let's both acknowledge that the other person has had some successes in their life. Thank you for that thought. And uh, I went in and I did the audition. I felt it went well and I left. And as I was leaving, my buddy goes, Hey, check your text messages. And, uh, on my way out, I, I always turn off my phone when I'm at an audition. So as on my way out, I like turned it back on. I was walking to my car and I look and it says, hey man, that girl you went in is uh, one of the lead actresses of the movie Wet Hot American Summer. And I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. I, oh, damn it. Like, of course she looks from the, and then I looked her up on IMDb and she's also in the Mighty Ducks movies. Uh, her name's like uh, Marguerite, uh, Marguerite Moreau, and I was like, "Well, I'm a dipstick, of course." And 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 now looking back, like it was very nice of her to say, "Well, maybe you, yeah, you look familiar too." But she knew what I knew her from. She like maybe she didn't want that kind of attention, or didn't want to put that kind of pressure on me. And I, and that's what my friend said as well. He's like, "I didn't want to tell you before you went in, because uh, yeah, that might. It, I definitely would have thought it. If it may not have affected me in the room, but I definitely would have thought about it. And." Uh, so I was like, of course, that's where I, I've known her since I was eight years old watching the Mighty Ducks movies. Of course. Where do I know you from? Oh, that's right. My childhood. <laughs> and then she was in the uh, Wet Hot American Summer. She's been in a ton of things. She's very successful. But um, you don't I, I, that just furthers my my insecurity about who I know and who I don't. And you know what? The next time I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything because in her mind, maybe she was like, this guy's an idiot. Yes, you know me, you jackwad. You probably had a crush on me, you turd. I was the heartthrob in that movie. Ah, all right, fine. She was very nice. She was very nice. And um, I don't know if she got the commercial. I was put on, they call it putting, getting put on a veil, which means you're one of the top choices for the role you went in, but they got to run it by, they want to make sure, first of all, that they have you on hold so that if they decide to book you, you're there. And they also want to just check with uh, the company that's putting it out. So they're going to be like, hey, do you like this guy's face? And maybe the company's like, no, I don't like that guy's face. Choose the other guy's face. And then they go with their second choice. Whatever. Put on hold, which is a horrible thing in commercials uh, because it, it, you get a call. Congratulations, you're on a veil. And you're like, whoa, that's great because not everybody gets that. It's only a couple people for each role. And that's fantastic. It's a little bit of affirmation. Like you did a good job. They liked you. But you don't have the job yet, and then you have to wait a couple days uh, to find out. And, and, and if you didn't get the job, which I didn't, it means you get paid 
zero dollars, <laughs> um, which is way less than all the money that the guy that booked it is going to get, um, which, you know, it's a huge range in commercials, but it's always better than nothing. It is always much better than nothing. And you get uh, union days stamped, you work towards your pension, you know, you work toward insurance, or you get nothing. And so that's what that call was. It was two days of like, oh, my, that would be fun to film and hope hope I get to work and provide for my family since I've taken the month of February off from stand-up comedy on the road getting paid. I'm just doing shows in town for free. Wouldn't this be great if I had an opportunity to make a little bit of money? Oh, no. Unfortunately, we liked the other guy. And then um, my buddy that was out there with me who told me who that was, he got booked for a different role on the same commercial and he was texting me he's like hey the guy that got your role is this uh 50 year old african-american guy so <laughs> they went a different direction and i don't understand i i uh i'm ethnically ambiguous right guys guys i could i could play uh i could play hispanic i could play uh deep african right i don't know why i wasn't uh top billing of black panther i don't understand uh nope nope i'm whitey mcwhite i am guy next door i am just getting paul rudd runoff jobs also in wet hot american summer so if he decides to not be in the reboot maybe i can i can do that although there already was a reboot and he was in it but maybe the second reboot of wet hot american summer where it's like dry clammy cold russian summer Russian winter, <laughs> and I will, I'll be in that one, and uh, that, there you go, Paul, Run, Paul Rudd runoff jobs, that's my entire career up to this point, just the likable guy that has a general non-threatening face who could walk up to you and suggest that you buy something and that'll stick with you, that's, that's the kind of career I have so far, um, I, I did, I think I told you guys about when I was in uh, Indiana, I got a call for uh, an ABC sitcom and it was a bit part and they wanted me to put myself on tape and the whole time I was looking at it going, they don't want me, this is, the dude was like a flashing perv and the whole time it read just like a, you know, a caricature and I was like, that's not who I am, like yeah, I can, I can try and make that funny and I can add a little quirkiness to it, but it's not, that's not the play. And I put myself on tape, sent it in, never got any feedback, whatever. And um, and then I, I looked it up. I, I looked up that show and um, saw the guy that was in there. And it was a husky, you know, different looking guy with a mustache. So, of course, not looking for me. <laughs> and I know they want their options, but it always sucks to like, I love it when I'm auditioning for something. And I'm like, no, this is me. This is this is the role that uh, it just screams Nick Hoff. But the when I was auditioning for that one, and sometimes when I'm auditioning for commercials, it's like, no, I'm not this guy. <laughs> I'm not the dude. I remember when I first went out, uh, one of my first auditions for a commercial was Olive Garden, and I was probably 25 at the time. And I went in, and I was supposed to look into the camera and dead serious say, you know, when I was growing up, my parents used to take me to Olive Garden, and now that I have kids in junior high... I can do the same to mine. And, uh, you know, I'm butchering that line. But the result was I've got, like, a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old sitting there, and I'm 25. And I'm <laughs> looking at it going, like, yeah, I could have had a kid at 15, but that's not the person you're going to put in this Olive Garden commercial. You're going to catch one of these 45-year-olds that are walking around out there looking at me going, are you here for the right thing? Yes, I'm here for the bottomless breadstick opportunity. And uh, didn't <laughs> surprise, surprise, didn't book that one. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that last week was a little bit rough. I hate being on a veil. It's a necessary step, and I heard you used to get paid for it back in the day. 
Back in the day, they used to throw you a nominal fee for every day that you sat there wringing your fingers thinking, ooh, maybe I'll get to eat next month. Um, but uh, now you just sit there and you hate yourself. And I took, uh, we took the kids down to the Long Beach Aquarium, and that I was walking through uh, looking at the eels, and that's when I got the call. Hey, man, yeah, you didn't book it. So we'll get, yeah, keep your head up. We'll get them next time. Good job. It's a, it's a horrible call to get because in reality, you are one of the best ones for that role. It's a great, like, if you don't get put on a veil, then you might as well just go throw yourself off a cliff because you, you weren't even close. But you get put on a veil, it's like saying, you did a great job and we could totally put you in this, but we're going to see if, uh, <laughs> if your face is hated by the client. Or maybe we're going to see if uh, the, the number one guy that we liked. And apparently this time around, um, they were just trying to decide, are we going to make this a, uh, a father who is... Um, uh, 50 years old and and black, or is it going to be this uh, 36-year-old white dude that uh, looks like he just walked out of every sitcom in the 1950s? Are we going to leave it to Beaver, or are we going to step forward into the future? Well, why couldn't we leave it to Beaver? Well, I, Beaver needs to eat. A lot of you are switching that around, and that's not right. Um, I am currently recording this in a different way than I normally do. Um, my, my little portable recorder just eats through batteries like crazy. So, and I actually recorded this podcast two nights ago, uh, driving home from a gig. I, I was interviewing, um, I was giving the ride home to the producer of the show and I was interviewing him cause he's been around comedy for like 30 years and, uh, he's seen a ton of things come and go. And I thought that'd be an interesting conversation. And we were recording and I was driving back from, uh, like half, practically San Diego. And then about 30 minutes into it, I turned on the light and looked down at the recorder and it had run out of batteries. These batteries last like an hour and 15 minutes tops. So I had recorded a couple of things, but I didn't have any with me. And I went on and did that. And I realized it had died. I'm not sure when, uh, but I, I per- turned on my phone then without telling him. I didn't tell him I didn't have the heart because we were working so hard. We were, <laughs> we were telling stories and things and uh, having a pretty good time, and, and I didn't have the heart to tell him, hey, man, sorry, the, the battery on my recorder died. Can we just record the rest? Uh, you Can I stop and get batteries, or can we record the rest of my phone? So I just turned on the recorder on my phone and just held it up like I was navigating, but the whole time I was just trying to get it. And, and also fake talking into my microphone from the recorder at the same time so he wouldn't be like hey why are you why is the record why is your microphone down what are you not recording um so i faked it the whole way and i have not had the i i haven't brought myself to listen to that yet to see how far in we were when it died and to see how it sounds first of all recording in the car i've never done that before either so it might be crappy the whole way through uh but at the end he was like hey that was <laughs> his name is doug james and he's uh a Boston comedian who now books like one nighters here in the area. And he's like, hey, let me, let me know what, uh, how it sounds. Let me know if it's, if it's good. Cause we can redo it. So I'll, maybe I'll just say, you know what? It wasn't good in the car. And we just need to, um, we just need to record it and I, I can I can get with him on that but I'm recording it now through the computer same recorder but it's plugged in through the computer so that I don't have to keep spending a fortune on batteries since I don't have that that hot commercial money coming in next month um, and my Pepsi commercial has stopped airing so uh, I'm trying to save batteries and we'll see I think everything should be the same I think it's just going directly into the computer instead of it's probably saving me a step not only batteries but a step and that's the kind of math that da- Daddy Hoff can do. Um, so yeah, it was a 
it was a tough week yesterday or, or last week, but I am uh, I'm getting back in the groove of booking my summer dates and some things have come through. So I'm waiting on a couple confirmations, but it should be fun. I, I love sending out emails to bookers and club owners that are responsive and they get right back to you the same day or within a day. I think I think the rule on email is 24 hours. You get an email, you assume it's like a text. Actually, a text, I feel like you're on a three-hour cycle. Like if, Unless it's nighttime or something, or the person's on a plane, like you've got three hours to respond to my text. Otherwise, you're just being a lazy asshole. And, um, and sometimes I'm the asshole, by the way. Uh, but email, I think you got 24 hours. Let me know if I'm off on this. I think you got 24 hours to respond. I love it when bookers and club owners do that. And I hate it when they don't. I hate it when I send an email and then the, the and then like a week later I get a response back. It's like, well, I've already moved on. <laughs> All right? I've already I've already either booked that week or lost hope that you were ever going to respond, so I stopped thinking about you and now all of a sudden you walk back into my life. Is that what it's going to be the worst case the worst one that ever happened was the Deja Vu Comedy Club uh and, and since since this happened that club is shut down. But I think I sent them an email in 2011 to see about uh, to see about featuring at their club, and never heard anything back. Never heard anything back, and then it was like 2017 or something. Finally, the dude wrote me back, and he's like, "Hey, hey, uh, you still willing to come in and and feature?" And I was like, "Holy hell! You can't respond to an email like six years later. You can't just." pick the, the the earliest email you've got and you're, you, what, you're just cleaning out your inbox and you're like oh i never responded to this guy let me see if he's still <laughs> at the same position six years later what, what is this a misconnection and i was like no uh not not really into that right now but i could headline and he's like okay yeah um i was like great he goes when when do you want to do that i was like uh, well my next availability is blah 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 and he goes okay i'm not booking that just yet hit me up in a month and and we'll see if that'll work and then like two months later the club was closed so deja vu and and it's that kind of club ownership that uh isn't gonna isn't gonna fly okay you're not responding to emails from old nick hoff my my yahoo account you you ignore my yahoo <laughs> six years later he's like hey man you into this i was like good god i still responded but i laughed about it i sent him i ribbed him a little bit i was like really six years later you i've forgotten um so uh but hopefully uh some of these some of these club owners some of them have already offered me dates and we're working on it so uh, i'm gonna have a lot of new things coming up but i, I was i was so happy with myself for being productive i, I came up with a new system for uh, getting things done, and so far it's working. And I actually went to the library the other day to work, which is getting out of the house, huge thing, because kids are running around most times, and uh, always coming in, Dad, play basketball with me, help me build, can you turn on the PlayStation, all that stuff. And uh, library, there's none of that. Um, now if I could, and, and I'm not in front of my computer, um, so that's nice at the library, because I just went there to write, and, um, you know, it's peaceful in there, it's quiet, other people are being studious, which kind of, elevates you you're kind of like oh maybe i should get it together if that guy can focus on his math book maybe i can uh maybe i can you know adhere to the page and write a write a stupid joke um and it worked it was i was there for two hours and i probably did 45 minutes with a writing and uh some of you might listen to that and say hey hoff you wrote less than half the time you you wrote for 45 and you dinked off for an hour and 15 yeah 
Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I still had my phone, which is a huge mistake. Uh, you got to like leave the phone in the car or something. And because um, that's a distraction. Every time I get on that, then it's it's email, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Okay. Put it down. I went through all that. And then like 10 minutes later, I wonder if that guy emailed me back. Email, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Okay. Okay. That's, an, that's another 10 minutes wasted. And uh, next time I got to leave that in the car and hopefully I'll get more done. But I also like to listen to just like some music that I, I, I go with jazz, even though I hate jazz. And maybe that's why I do it is because it like just gives me some background noise. So I'm not getting distracted by things and it has no lyrics. So I have to worry about like all of a sudden, ooh, that's a groovy beat. And now I'm singing along with it. Nope. There's just uh, crappy music in the background so I can just tune everything else out and write. And I was pretty proud. Writing 45 minutes out of two hours, that's not, not terrible. Uh, for a person with horrible, horrible ADD. So I might try and do that again. Uh, maybe maybe I can do that this weekend. Now that I know it's Friday, I can go out on the weekend. Um, although I'm doing a show tomorrow night for a... Uh, it's a fundraiser for the El Segundo California Marching Band. And they've got... I think I go on at like 7.12 p.m. They're like, you're on at 7.12 p.m. I'm like, well, that is very specific. Most comedy shows in Los Angeles, you just go and you're hopefully you're on at some point during the two hours. They're like, be there at 7.12. You'll go up. You'll do your 20 minutes. Get off. Collect your check and get out of here. Thanks for playing. Ha- you know, get yourself a, a nice prime rib dinner or whatever it is. Ah, it's not going to be prime rib. That's what they do in the... That's what they do in the Midwest, but on the on the West Coast, I have yet to be at a fundraiser where like, and everybody's having prime rib and potatoes. But almost every single uh, time I went to a like a bar, you know, like a uh, banquet or something in the Midwest, it was always prime rib and potatoes. <laughs> What's wrong with prime rib? It's delicious. So what if it's a fatty meat? It's it's got the most flavor. Um, so yeah, I'm doing that tomorrow, so I probably won't get to the library tomorrow unless I take the kids. But then that kind of defeats the purpose because then they're going to be running up to me saying, hey, I can't read the Dewey Decimal System. So I'm going to need you to help me look up who wrote Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> That's what uh, the middle kid's really into, Peter and the Wolf. He just he can't get enough. You can read it to him, and he wants you to read it immediately again. And unless you tell him no, you will read it five straight times. And, and then you will have told him no at the end of the fifth straight. It's not like he didn't ask for a sixth. It's not like he didn't want you to say a six, and it kind of scares him. It's a scary book, and the music is kind of scary. Like, he's asked me to just tell him the story, like, when the lights are out, and he's like, tell me the Peter and the Wolf story. And I tell him, and I, and I, you know, sing all the, I hum the, the music with it or whistle the birds part, and I scare myself in the dark. I'm still afraid of the dark, you guys. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, wolves are terrifying. And this is a, uh, it's a tale of a kid that is lucky to be alive. That's what Peter and the Wolf is. It's a tale of a kid that got a little cocky and uh, and was graced with a bit of rope and and luck. Otherwise, he should have been wolf bait. Um, and it scares my kid, especially if I get into it. So one time I was telling him the story, and I was getting into it with the voices and the music, and I was making it haunting. And, and I got done, and he's like, Dad, can you turn on the lights? <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. And uh, yeah, he, he had a hard time going to sleep after that. And so now I kind of, I butter it up. I, I skip over certain parts and I, I give the wolf a goofy voice where he's like, ah, oh, Peter, you got me. You snagged me with the rope. You know, as long as the wolf sounds unintimidating. Unintimidating? I don't know if that's a word. Unintimidating? What, what would you say? Not intimidating? Let me, let me see. We're going to figure this out. 
unintimidating, unintimidating. Boom! Look it up. The internet. See, this is what I can't do when I'm at the uh, when I'm at the library writing. Unless I have my phone, then I look it up. Definition of unintimidating: not causing a feeling of fear or timidity. Timidity. I know its root word is timid, but timidity. Okay, so unintimidating is a word. I was right. Booyah! Uh, that's awesome. So, yes, I <laughs> I've had to back off of my storytelling skills a little bit. But that's okay. He's still getting the gist. He's still getting it. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I've been enjoying uh, being home, getting back into the groove, doing shows here in town, and seeing a lot of people that I don't normally get to see out there at shows. So that's nice because uh, a lot of times they look at me and they go, "Hey, it's been it's been forever." I did a show. Where was I? I was up in uh, like Glendale doing a show last week, and this gal that I used to always see at almost every single open mic when I was just beginning. And I probably haven't seen her in seven, eight years. And she's like, oh my God, you st- <laughs> you still do comedy? I was like, yeah, you, you too, huh? She's like, yep, we're, we're both idiots. I was like, yeah, yeah, we are. Um, and uh, so it was cool. It was cool to see her. And I like I like being in town, just getting to go to places, even if I'm, I hate going when I'm not performing, but it's part of it. You have to, you got to just go meet the booker, meet the Meet the person that's running the show. Hey, I'd love to do it sometime. That's part of the part of the thing. But I hate it. It's like going to you know the gym just to meet people for five on five. But you you know you're not going to play. You're just going to to meet the guy that runs the five on five game so that maybe you could play it in a month. It's a stupid stupid way it is. And but if I continue to do the same shows over and over again, then uh, I just meet nobody new. And so yeah, we. Uh, but then I starting uh, next week, I'm back on the road. I'm just the weekends, but I'm back on the road going out. Um, I got a few dates with Cable Guy. All these things are up on my website. People always ask, you know, what are the details of the show? They're on the website. Easy to find. NickHoff.com. You know where it is. You love it. You can also find the podcast on there if you're not looking on iTunes or, or the Google Play Store or whatever. I don't know what you guys everybody's looking, uh, you know, in a different place. But the majority of you are Google Play or, or, um, or Apple. And if you guys are on that and you haven't uh, you haven't rated the podcast or you haven't yet hit the subscribe button, do those things right now. Hit pause on this bad boy and rate it. Give it five stars. Say something nice in a review. All that stuff helps me and and gives me more encouragement. By the way, to keep putting these things out there, keep keep releasing new ones, making it better, uh, getting some good guests on there. Um, and because uh, then I see you guys are enjoying it and you guys are having a good time. So do that. Send me messages. If you've got suggestions for me or things that you hate, uh, you know, hit me up with that as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to read out my dates, but you guys can find those on NickHoff.com. A bunch more coming. I'm excited. Some of the new jokes are coming together. I'm pumped about that. And hopefully by the end of this year, I'm going to have a new hour ready to roll and hopefully record sometime next year. And I'm hoping to make... I'm hoping to make the next one a video, uh, video album, so that people can see it as well as hear it, because uh, people are enjoying the audio. But I think that maybe they'd get more of a kick out of something video, and I got to find a clever way to release it because nobody has DVDs anymore. Nobody's buying those, um, so I got to find a clever way to release it or, or partner with somebody to get that out there. But um, I'm excited about how that's going to look because uh, I'm really having a blast with these new jokes. It's kind of they're kind of goofy. 
they're a little goofier. Like I've always had a bit of fun with my act, but some of these new jokes are just straight up goofy and they're kind of, they're, they're out there. So I've been having a good time doing those. Um, so come out to a show and see how those things are getting put together and uh, make sure you tell your friends about this podcast, tell your friends about my tour. So they come out and see some shows because I'm going to be hitting a couple new markets. And I'm going to need you guys' help to spread the word. So please do that. In the meantime, have a great weekend, you guys. It's Friday. Have a great Saturday, Sunday, and I will talk to you guys again on the next episode.